Welcome to Stock Stories, episode 57. Stock Stories Podcast. It is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And how do we do that? We do it by studying companies, by actually looking into the financial statements, looking underneath the hood, figuring out what makes companies work and what separates the good ones from the bad ones and how we as investors can take advantage of those opportunities that we do come across. And not only do we do that, but we also study mental models. These are thought experiments that we can use to improve how we think about things, not just in investing, but overall in our lives as well. So that's what we do here on the show. My name is Alex. I am your host. Thanks for joining me. Today, we are going to talk about another company in the S&P 500, And this is actually a chemical company. So without further ado, let's get into it. Let's talk about Dow DuPont. All right. So Dow DuPont, it is a chemical company. It's one of the biggest chemical companies in the world. And before looking at exactly what Dow DuPont does, um, we have to trace its origins to a couple of different companies because Dow DuPont is actually relatively new as an entity in its current form. And it's actually changing now, but we'll get to that a little bit later. But Dow DuPont recently in 2015 combined from two other big chemical companies. One was called Dow and the other was called DuPont. So let me briefly go over the history of both of these companies and you can kind of see where they merge together naturally in the story. So let's start at the beginning. Let's first look at Dow. So way back in the 1800s, late 1800s, there was a man named Herbert Henry Dow and he founded the Dow Company in 1897, and that was in Midland, Michigan. And it all started from bromine. So various chemicals can be found in the earth, right? And sometimes we extract the raw chemicals and then we do different chemical processes to them in order to make them useful to us in our daily lives. And so bromine is one such thing. So he started by extracting bromine from under, underneath the ground and he produced potassium bromide and bleach using this compound. So it turned out to be very practical for people to use for different purposes. Uh, I'm not completely sure what potassium bromide is used for. I, I don't know that much about that. But bleach, I mean, that's something very common 
as a household cleaner today. So you can see how chemistry is just really important in our daily lives, right? We need chemistry for everything. We need it for every material good that you or I consume. Chemistry went into it, whether that's just the process used to make it or the actual physical fabric that makes up different objects. Um, so it, it's very wide reaching in its implications. But back in these days, chemical companies were really very new and there wasn't, um, we didn't have nearly the level of technological sophistication that we do today. So Dow created the, these different products and he looked for ways to be efficient with his production. So the quote unquote waste from his bromine extraction ended up becoming the raw material for bleach production. So within the factory, he was trying to not waste any, um, any product. And he was able to produce over 72 tons per day of chemicals. So he scaled this operation and started really making a lot of sales. Um, he managed to survive some foreign competition because people in Germany got wind that this guy Dow was creating chemicals and they were creating a competing product as well. So the Germans actually came and flooded the American market at the time with similar products that were heavily discounted. And so in order to survive, Dow ended up lowering his prices even lower um, in order to stay in business. But he quickly realized that if he was going to stay in business, he was going to have to diversify into different types of products that he was selling. And this is a good business lesson, I think. If you're selling a product and competition just really forces you to decrease your margins and you're no longer profitable or you're barely profitable, then you need to find some other streams of revenue. You need to differentiate yourself somehow. You need to go on the offensive and figure out how to make your business survive. So Dow did just that. And he ended up continuing the business, making different types of chemicals. When World War One came around, that required a lot of different chemical compounds um, for making weapons of war. And 90% of the production of the company by 1918 was for the war effort. So these are things like material for flares, explosives, everything from medicines to tear gas. Uh, Chemicals are just in everything. And Dow was focused on helping the U.S. government with the war effort. Now, by the time the 30s came around, there was this big revolution uh, by plastics. So plastic resins became a new technology that Dow got into. And that kind of became, it became one of their main businesses is creating different products that were based in different types of plastics and polymers. So before this time, every material that you had for making things was either like a naturally occurring material or some form of like metal. So metalworking has been going on in the world for ages. Uh, but things like, you know, wood or paper or cotton or textiles, these are all things that were like kind of minimally or very lightly mechanically processed materials. But uh, plastics and polymers, this was like a new invention 
And it totally revolutionized the way that we live our lives today. I mean, <laughs> everything from your coat hangers to, to lunch bags to plastic bags for your trash, it, it, Tupperware. I mean, all of these things are plastics and they really came from the origin of, uh, of Dow and companies like it innovating in this area. So this was a, a big deal for quality of life improvements for the world. Um, so over the years, there are a lot of different mergers, joint ventures, and sales growth. Um, and by the time the Vietnam War came around, uh, there was a lot of wartime controversy around Dow because they supplied napalm to the U.S. government for dropping in Vietnam. And there was a lot of environmental concerns with that, as you might imagine. Uh, and so... Yeah, so they've gotten a bad rap for that in the past. Now, naturally, being a chemical company, they make and have made chemicals for all sorts of different purposes. Uh, and that just happens to be one that was highly politicized. Now, fast forward all the way to 2015, Dow closed in an all-stock deal to merge with DuPont. Now, let's talk about DuPont. So, DuPont was founded way earlier, actually, even than Dow, so E.I. DuPont uh, founded the company in Delaware in 1802, and his family actually was from France, and he fled to the United States from France after the French Revolution. And he had some experience with gunpowder, and he noticed that the U.S. gunpowder industry was kind of behind what was going on in Europe at the time, so he decided to start making gunpowder and, and sell it in the U.S. And he got so good at it that he actually ended up supplying half of the gunpowder that was used for the Union Army in the Civil War. And throughout the 20th century, he kept expanding the business and researched all sorts of different chemicals and compounds and created many different products, ranging from explosives, uh, rubbers, Teflon was invented by DuPont, nylon, uh, some some other materials like plutonium plant, like the plutonium plant that was used to help build materials for the first hydrogen bomb uh, that came out of DuPont, Kevlar, etc. So these are like life changing inventions and um, things that can be used for good things that can be used for bad. Right. And that's really all technology, but it, that uh, the moral question I think comes into play a little bit more starkly when you're talking about chemicals, right? Because these are things that literally can blow, blow people up. Uh, so that's, that's something that DuPont was involved with. So from 1920 to 1957, they had actually a significant investment and influence in General Motors. So the DuPont family uh, had $25 million in General Motors stock, which was I mean, that's, that was a lot back then. And so one of DuPont, one of General Motors presidents was actually a, a DuPont family member. So there was a strong connection between General Motors and DuPont, but then they were forced to sell the shares because of antitrust concerns. Um, but you see this a lot, right? Like businesses, they like to get in, in different businesses, whether they're related or not related. And there is also another strong connection with another large business, Conoco, the 
oil and gas producer. That was acquired by DuPont in 1981, but then they ended up selling it in 99. And so these are all kind of tangential businesses to the chemical business. And over the years, just like Dow, they face a lot of environmental concerns. They historically have been a very high producer of CO2 and have a large carbon footprint, which as you can imagine, if you're making plastics, you need big factories. You're processing a lot of different things. You're, you're creating chemical reactions at a large scale in order to produce things. And so, yeah, you're gonna, gonna have a lot of byproducts of that. So that's something that the company has been tried to be more cognizant of in recent years as we've started to realize the massive impact on the environment. But that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but that's basically the history of Dow DuPont. So they're both chemist, chemical producers uh, over centuries. This is a very old business. And they combined in 2015. But the thing is, they're actually about to be split apart again. I think literally, I don't know if it's this week or within the coming weeks, Dow DuPont is going to split into three separate companies because the company itself is very massive. And I think that the leaders of the company have realized that it's better for the businesses to be managed set more separately, even though they will still be large businesses. So the overviews of the divisions of Dow DuPont as it is today are agriculture, material science, and then specialty products. And what's going to happen is this is going to get broken up into three different companies. So the agricultural industry um, or that division will become a company called Corteva. And that'll happen around June 2019. The material science department will become Dow Holdings. And that's happening literally right now in late March or April. And then the specialty products division will become just called DuPont. So that's going to be the remaining part of the company that's left after the spin. And so what do all these things mean? So agriculture, what does that mean? What are they selling? Well, they, they sell crop protection and seeds. So crop protection, that means things like herbicides, insecticides, fungicides, chemicals that help keep the yield uh, of farmers' crops high. That's basically what it is. And then seeds, so things like corn seeds, cotton, rice, soybeans, etc. These are the commodities of food, of basic daily life. Um, and they actually have patents on a lot of this, uh, Some even some genetic material, which is another thorny topic I'm not going to get into right now, but that is, it's quite interesting to, to study that, like the, um, the sale of seeds has become a big business. And so it's about 50, 50, as far as the sales of this division is from the seed business and crop protection. As far as Dow holdings, this is kind of the things that we talked about earlier in the history, like They've got packaging, specialty plastics. They've got infrastructure, materials, performance coatings. It just, the scope is so broad of products that they have. And they're used for everywhere from the consumer level, like you and I, to businesses, to construction. 
it, when I was learning about this company, I was amazed at just the sheer breadth of products that they create and, and all the different types of consumers that consume it. And then DuPont, they are, the specialty products segment, they make things like electronics and imaging equipment, safety and construction materials, polymers for transportation applications, nutrition and biosciences. I mean, it really is far reaching. And the more I read through materials relating to these businesses, the more I realized like, yeah, no wonder they need to split up into three different businesses. There's so much going on. Like, how could you focus if that was all under one umbrella and do it well? So that's, that's an overview of the business and what they will become. Uh, one thing I like about Dow DuPont is that their sales are very diversified geographically. So only a little bit over a third of their sales come from the United States and Canada. Um, about a quarter is in Europe and the Middle East and Africa. A quarter is in Asia and 11% is in Latin America. And I'm just rounding those numbers, but just to give you a sense of the geographic diversification of sales, it's pretty widespread. So they make a lot of products. They sell it all over the world. All right, going now to the financial side of things, their income and expenses. I had a difficult time looking at these financial statements, frankly, because things fluctuate so much. What I realized is that even though this business is so well diversified as far as product lines, the sales and profits are so cyclical. They just go up and down like crazy. So in 2018, Dow DuPont had $85 billion in sales. They had a net income of $3.8 billion. And their expenses, um, oh, sorry, not their expenses, but in 2016, they had sales of $48 billion and then net income of $3.9 billion. So they made less money, but they almost doubled their sales. So I'm like, what's going on here? Their, their earnings per share just like shot down from $3.52 in 2016 to $1.65 in 2018. So I'm like, what's up with that? So I go through, I went through some more data and found that it's, it's really like a roller coaster. The profits and the sales, they just go up and down. And that has a lot to do with the supply and demand of different plastics. And when you're selling commodities, it makes it makes more sense. Like if you imagine an oil company, which we haven't gone over one yet, but we will in, in some time, the demand for commodity-like products like oil and gas and uh, soybeans, they're going to fluctuate wildly. And we can see that here in the numbers. Now, as far as the balance sheet, they've got $13 billion in cash, $188 billion in total assets, $34 billion in long-term debt. So it's a, it's a massive business. I mean, you're talking hundreds of billions of dollars uh, here on the balance sheet. And as far as the leverage, it doesn't seem to be too concerning. Pretty typical for a large industrial conglomerate and... Uh, management has stated after the spinoff, they're targeting a leverage ratio of about two and a half to three times earnings. So that seems pretty typical for a company with large capital expenditures. So nothing too crazy to see here as far as that goes. As far as the operating cash flow, in 2018, they made $4.7 billion in operating cash. 
the investing cash was 2.4 billion and the financing cash 1.9. So <sighs> when looking for trends again like it's hard to see because it just fluctuates so wildly from year to year. Um it just brings me to my next point which is that I don't really know how to value an investment like this because of that high level of cyclicality. I mean it's very extreme. So the current price of the shares are $53.92 and based on the earnings per share of this year or last year it would be trading at a PE of 32 and based on 2017 numbers though it would only be trading at a PE of 15. So I'm like okay that's hard to wrap my head around but also what about the growth right like how can you expect growth especially right before a major spin-off I don't really know. Now, Dow DuPont does pay a dividend, so they pay a dividend that is equivalent to about 2.7% yield right now. And as far as the shares outstanding, they've gone up a lot. The share count has doubled between 2016 and 2019, and that's because of the merger. I'm I'm pretty sure that's because of the merger. Uh so yeah, that's that's what I have to say about Dow DuPont. I I really wish I knew more. Um but it's hard to see or predict where things are going to go because things have fluctuated so much. And this is in an economy that has generally been good for a lot of businesses. So when there's the next recession, I would be um, a little bit worried if I owned some Dow DuPont shares because I would expect the earnings to go through the floor uh, just because it's a commodity type of business. Now, one thing I do want to say is that I am interested to see what happens with the spin-offs. So the business is going to be split into three different businesses, each with their own unique characteristics because of the products that they sell. And uh, historically, spin-offs have been fertile ground for excellent investments. I mean, that's a very generalized statement, but spin-offs can yield some pretty good results if you if you start studying them. And so I would pay attention to that. I would pay attention to what's going to happen with Cortiva and the the other two companies. Um, just because they'll be a little bit smaller, they'll be leaner, and they'll be able to focus more on their main businesses. So I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but it seems like it is a stable, large business that is going to get broken up into three. And I, yeah, I just kind of want to wait and see what happens to the businesses once they get spun. Um, but I think it could be interesting for investors. But yeah, it's a highly cyclical business in a highly cyclical industry. The good thing is you are pretty well diversified geographically. And just as far as the sheer number of products that are sold and developed by Dow DuPont, it's incredible. So they do create a lot of different technologies. Um, so I think that's a good level of diversification. It's basically a chemistry company conglomerate is what it is. And so, yeah, that's what I would think about that. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you've been enjoying them. If you're new to the show, welcome. And <laughs> thank you for, for tuning in. If you have any uh, questions for me or just comments, 
about the show or anything stock related, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, you can reach me at alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. And I'm also on Instagram. And my Instagram name is stockstories1. That's number one. But thank you. And I will see you next week. is for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only. You and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions. Please consult an appropriate tax, legal, or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances.